The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Radiate Wellness Podcast. I'm your host, Christy Clemens Hoffman. Each week we will discuss tools, tips, and ways to radiate your best life ever, interviewing practitioners, authors, and luminaries to help you on your path. Wellness, joy, peace, abundance. What do you want to radiate? Hello, and welcome to the Radiate Wellness Podcast. Today, we are going to radiate something that is near and dear to my heart, the topic of being enough with um, international speaker, best-selling author, and psychotherapist, Patty Ashley, PhD, and LPC from Boulder, Colorado, one of my favorite cities. Welcome, Dr. What should I call you? Dr. Patty? Dr. Ashley? Just call me Patty. That's fine. Oh, welcome. It's so <laughs> nice to see you, Patty. Um, you know, this is a, a challenging time for all of us. And I just, I've been looking through your website. I've been um, going through your materials that I was sent by your, public, your publicist. And we need what you are talking about now. Mm. So much. Yeah. Well, thanks for having me. I, I, it's near and dear to my heart. So it's great to share it. Absolutely. Now, you've just recently released a new book. You've had several other books, but this summer you recently released, um, you said the subtitle has changed. So what is the title of your book? It's called Shame Informed Therapy, and the subtitle is Treatment Strategies to Overcome Core Shame and Reconstruct the Authentic Self. And it is for clinicians or people who work, who are working with people who are wanting to, well, who show up with shame, which in my research shows it's the majority of us, as Brene Brown says, we all have it. Nobody wants to talk about it, but it's kind of a thing that's, I think, showing up. Right. So shame. And this, this is a big topic. Like you said, everybody has it mm-hmm. from something as minor as the third grade spelling bee. It can be something as from as huge as a, a parent who wanted to instill shame. Mm-hmm. 
or didn't want to instill shame, but because if you look at the old parenting practices, they were all shame-based. Do as I say, not as I do. You should be ashamed of yourself. Stop crying. Get over it. And we're just learning now how to change some of that. And I think we have a long way to go. So I don't think parents do it on purpose. I don't think any parent really wants to instill shame in their child. The old parenting practices taught parents to do that, however. And well, and it did, those old parenting practices did change behavior. Mm-hmm. Perhaps in the immediate, if a child is, is acting a certain way, the parent wants to stop that behavior, these old mm-hmm. parenting practices would stop that. Mm -hmm. Right. And Bruno Badelheim, who was a well-known psychologist back in the day, said um, what we really want to do is we want to instill self-discipline instead of impose discipline. And the old parenting practices wanted to, you know, do as I say, not as I do. You should do this because I say so. Um, And we're just learning how to restory that. And I don't, I I think we have a long way to go because it's in our body memory, which is what the book is about is changing some of the somatic cellular memory around it. Right. Right. Yeah. How far back does this cellular memory go in our Well, the research is showing we could be carrying 14 generations of ancestral DNA in our body memory. (laughs) So that's a lot of cleanup. If you think about it wasn't until the mid 20th century that we did research. I always like to say we're the only species that has to research itself to understand how to get along in relationship. You know, the animal kingdom seems to figure it out, but we humans have too much gray matter and we try too hard to, to, make things happen and instead of really instinctually knowing what we need and so we learned from our research in the mid-20th century that we'd been doing this wrong for a long time and so my first book living in the shadow of the two good mother archetype was based on my doctoral dissertation which was about women not feeling good enough as mothers because I myself was a mom at the time. Well, I still am a mom, but I have grown 30-something children and three grandchildren now. But I was in the thick of it, you know, with four little ones. And I was doing parent education. And there was so many women saying the same thing over and over. And I just can't get this right. Everybody else seems to have it right. So I studied that for my doctoral research and really recognized that what it, it, this unconscious memory and our body memories and in the shadow as Carl Jung would say um, the which is the place where we put things that we think are bad and we don't want to talk about so it's a lot of learning that all feelings are okay but all behavior isn't and we've been talked out of our feelings in the old parenting practices for you know centuries oh well more than centuries you know thousands of years and so yeah, so we have to change that. And in order to do that, we have to find dig up what's in the unconscious. And then we're afraid to do that because, anyway, it's this pattern. That's why they always say we keep unconscious. There's an unconscious repetition of the past. Um, so, and then moms, um, I was just talking to a mom today about this, how we turn it inward. We internalize it. It must be my fault. Instead of let's look at the collective, let's look at history, let's look at... Let's look at the suppression of women. I mean, we, honestly, we didn't get the right to vote here in America until 100 years ago. We just celebrated that big day, but 100 years. Women couldn't even buy a house 
on their own without a man until 1970. So that's 50 years. So we have a long way to go in terms of cleaning up just in this lifetime. But if you look at the 14 generations of ancestral trauma, we got a lot of work to do. And so moms, go easy on yourself. That's my advice. It's, you know, we have to lighten up and realize that we have a lot of new narratives we want to write that have never been written before. And that's the exciting part. I was working with a client just today who is a father rather than a mother, but who mm-hmm. also is is dealing with these with these questions. Mm-hmm. That, you know, how my father raised me is not how I want to raise my son. And I'm mm-hmm. recognizing now that um, you know, some of the damage that was done by this mm-hmm. father who what I say, not what did I do, et cetera, et cetera. Um and so we're having to undo all of this. Why why do you think this is all coming to our awareness now in this time? Well, like I said, the research gave us information. What I found is the women I was working with, the more books they read, the worse they felt. And that's when I realized it wasn't in the cognitive mind, it was in the somatic memory. And so I started doing retreats for women where um, we could do dance and art and music and poetry and really do some right brain activities to kind of uh, shift some of the body memory. Um, And I do want to say about the dads, I love that. And people used to say to me, why aren't you writing about dads? And because I was a mom and I was researching women, but men do have similar experiences. They vary to some degree, but as just as men and women vary to some degree um, biologically and, you know, the way they think and and all that. But I'm glad you said that because I don't ever want to leave out the dads. As a matter of fact, I've teamed up with a a friend of mine, a work partner, and we've done workshops together where his is the dad project and mine was mom's. And so I think parents in general are all trying to figure out how to get this right. And, and, it's not easy because, again, it's a story that's never been written before. Absolutely. And it does seem like this is coming to our collective awareness now with all of the um, talk that, at least in my circle, about the divine feminine, toxic masculinity, divine masculinity. Mm-hmm. Like we're having more of a, an awareness and a conversation about what our roles are not only as individuals and, you know, gender-based beings, but as our, as, as parents and, right? So this, uh, it does seem to be coming, coming up now in a big way. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think that's what we need to heal the planet is we need more of the feminine. And, you know, when I was doing my doctoral research, the Da Vinci Code came out Mm -hmm. and I was fascinated by I read the scholarly research Margaret Starbird and and you know the chalice and the blade and I just got knee deep or neck deep in, in the Mary Magdalene mythology because or it's not was a mythology I guess it's a mythology but story so because here I'm thinking okay well if this is true what the scholarly research is uncovering that maybe she and Jesus were married and, and maybe they taught together and maybe she studied in the wisdom schools and maybe she taught Jesus what he was supposed to be teaching. Why did we write her out of the story 
for 2,000 years. And then I grew up Catholic, and my mother and grandmother adored the Blessed Mother. And then I realized there here's the split of the divine feminine. We have the virgin and we have the whore, you know. And so anyway, I just couldn't get enough of, you know, this idea of how the feminine, and it isn't necessarily gender-based either. Right. You know, it's the sense of... You know, it's almost like right and left brain, you know, when we think about, um, you know, logical versus feeling, um, thinking and feeling in the left and right brain. It's similar in terms of Jungian psychology. They call it the anima and the animus, which is the masculine and feminine energies where the masculine is more left brain, thinking, logic, analyzing, reason. And the right brain is sensory, feeling, creativity, um, intuition, and we need a balance of both. But we've been in the um, dominator culture, we've cut off a lot of the right brain feminine in order to feel a sense of power and control in the world. And that's just been going on for thousands and thousands of years. So if you look at the Mary Magdalene story, well, we cut her out, we changed the story to fit this dominator model. And here we are today, you know, with the Me Too, Time's Up, racial injustice, people are are crying out for more balance because the patriarchal dominator model of greed and and power and control is killing the planet. We could be extinct if we don't do something different in in my version. So that's it's like the wasteland, you know, T.S. Eliot's poem, The Wasteland, you know, it's about the dying off of the feminine and everything dies if, if we don't restore the feminine. So my work has been a lot about restoring the feminine um, and the shame work. I found it was fascinating because I, I got into the literature and the research around the neurobiology of shame. And what I discovered is it gets set up where? In the right brain. So it was fascinating because I felt like instead of trying to talk about Mary Magdalene to maybe an audience that doesn't really understand it or doesn't want to know about it or has all kinds of, you know, religious, you know, uh, connotations to it, I can talk about the neurobiology of shame and I can talk about the right brain and I can talk about integrating right and left brain. So it's super cool. And I think right now we need it more than ever. Um, yeah. yeah. All of these divisions, uh, masculine, feminine, right, left, black, white, all of these divisions are everything <clears throat> amplified so much right now. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, this this needs to come up and come out. And honestly, in, in my work as a past life regressionist, a hypnotherapist, I see narratives of Magdalene, of Jesus coming out in people's psyches. And it's oh, interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. Well, I've taken a a group of people over to southern France, and we have another trip planned next summer, hopefully. Um, And I have an amazing tour guide who takes us to some of the sacred sites where they believe Mary Magdalene did do some of her teaching. And it's, it's beautiful. And it's so near and dear to my heart. So Whatever we can do to restore the feminine and the sense of compassion and connection um, is what we need right now on the planet. Yeah, it's it's a tough time. And we're in the middle of this pandemic and an election year and racial injustice and all kinds of, you know, right now we're in the middle of wildfires. (laughs) 
on the outskirts of where I live, but I haven't seen the, my beautiful Colorado blue sky in almost two weeks. Um, and so we've got climate change. We've got hurricanes hitting the Gulf right now. You know, we've got so many things happening in the middle of this pandemic um, that people have to kind of step back and, and reflect. And that, to me, is the feminine. The feminine is internal, and the masculine is external. So, you know, I did a course, a free course when we were in quarantine called Go In, Not Out that's available on my website for that reason, for people to just, well, if I'm going to spend some time, you know, more alone or inward, you know, kind of give me a compass. Because um, I think we, we tend to be so distracted and external and looking for things. This is what's happening with my clients is, well, I can't go do all the things I like to do. My last client likes to ice skate. And she's like, well, maybe I can, but then I have to get a babysitter and the da 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 da, da. Or, uh, you know, frisbee golf and what's going to happen in the winter when I can't do that anymore. You know, so it's like all the things that we would go out and do for our self-care aren't necessarily as easy easy to access. And so now we have to kind of find this self-soothing, radical acceptance, inner work, like Viktor Frankl talked about in um, Man's Search for Meaning, or the mystics, Teresa of Avila and St. John of the Cross talked about in their in- internal work, and that's the feminine. So that's what I'm hoping in this time, you know, that it will give people an, op- an invitation to go more in and find the things um, that really do give them hope um, that aren't about what's out there. Absolutely. And, we, you know, you're absolutely right. We we need to go inside, but we get to go inside. And mm-hmm. this is really the biggest gift. We, we have to find a blessing in everything. The blessing of that is that we, we do have this time to, to go in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now, this, this journey of shame and this journey of recovering from shame and refine, reclaiming our divine feminine, reclaiming your balance, is it just me or is this more embraced, talked about by the women in our culture? Is it, ask me that question again. Is this... Um, question of shame of this introspection this desire to return to divine balance of masculine and feminine it feels sometimes that it's more women who are seeking this oh i see what you're saying yeah uh, yeah because again women tend to be a little bit more right-brained and men are more left brain which is why you know when i do couples work it's like i have to tell the man take your toolkit off Let's be present with the emotions. <laughs> you know, let's 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 learn how to listen. Let's learn how to do this. Um, but again, it's not necessarily gender, especially with, you know, we have so much of the transgender and, you know, just different gender identities. So it's more typically men and women are wired differently, but not necessarily. But that's what you'll see for the most part. So, yes, women are definitely more um, open to understanding feelings and emotions for the most part. However, you know, I've sat in women's groups for 20, now probably going on 30 years now. And when I, in Boulder a few years ago, I had a woman approach me and she was starting the Women's Network here in Boulder. And I was on the focus group. And I said to her, I said, you know what, I've been in these groups for 20 years now and we're not going to do anything until we bring in the men. And she went, oh, but it's a women's 
We have to engage men. I mean, if you've read anything of Robert Bly, you know, Iron John and, and, you know, back in the 60s when, you know, men were exploring their, their femininity, he talks about how the pendulum swung too far and men lost their warrior self as they were trying to embrace their feminine. And I think it's like anything we learn to do, we swing from one extreme to the other. So I think it's really how can a man be strong and feel empowered and also be open to the right brain, creativity, feminine, and and vice versa for women. And that's what we see with women going out in the workplace, you know, and women working outside the home. They're embracing their, their masculine. But, but we haven't really talked about how we um, do both, integrate both parts and, you know, raise a home and a, and a family. And look what's happening with parents now having to homeschool <laughs> and work outside the home, now inside the home. I know my, my daughter's a high school teacher and has an eight-year-old, and she called me, and she said, I've been crying for three hours all day yesterday. I don't know how I'm going to do this. You know, it's impossible. How do you do that? How do you work full-time and homeschool your child and be a single And she's a single mom. Oh, let's so, yeah, and I've been working with clients today because school starts tomorrow here in Colorado and the anxiety and the how am I going to do this? And so it's learning how we balance homemaking and parenting and working outside the home and really realizing, I think, I always think good news, bad news is, you know, I think we 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 kind of wanted to avoid that um things that we need to do to make a house a home and raise children takes many many full-time jobs right and so women want to go to work and they ought to go to work outside the home if they want to but we just kind of kept kind of diminishing well who's going to do all this other stuff we'll it'll we'll get done what happens is moms sleep like two hours a night you know so, and dads are getting more involved too but again you know anyway we just have a long way to go in terms of integrating the masculine and feminine and i really feel like again restoring the feminine means who is going to be raising the babies who is going to be doing this work of of making a house a home i love to create a comfortable home space and that takes time um and it's okay if you want to work outside the home. Let's not minimize that that women have tr- traditionally done what's called women's work, and it's the work of several, if not, you know, 10, 20, 30 full-time employees, and they don't get paid for it. So we have to figure out who's going to do that work and how we're going to integrate those parts. Right. Well, how we can 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 balance ourselves to accommodate both the action of the working and then the the um, you know nurturing and the qualities of creating a home and a home home environment um, and if anything if we have learned anything during this covid-19 chapter is the just the importance of family life the importance of schooling the importance of education and the importance of what parents do mm-hmm. <laughs> the essentials absolutely oh my gosh we have and we have learned to treasure our teachers 
And teachers, too. Right. I mean, talk about suppression of the feminine. And, you know, teachers don't get paid a lot of money. Women don't get paid anything when they're stay-at-home moms. You know, but it's just assumed. You know, it's just work that's supposed to be done. You know, it's, it's really... Yeah, let's now we really get to see this is big. These are big jobs. This is a lot of work. Um, so absolutely. Anything comes out of this, please yeah. let it be that teachers earn the respect that they're due and the pay that they deserve. Right, right. That is my soap. <laughs> well, I know. And I know I was a special education teacher for a while and it's hard work. It's really grueling and even if you get the summer off it takes the whole summer to recover and then and then it's it takes it's it's demanding and it's hard and we look at you know when i look at people in the corporate sales world and they're making you know 200 300,000 selling hospital beds <laughs> with bonuses and vacations all around the world and then teachers are in the thick of it all day long and they don't usually get even lunch breaks you know we have to stay with the kids for the most part of the day at least I did as a special education teacher and yeah we get the summers off but like I said it takes a summer to recover people don't realize that um yeah and you don't really get the summers off I mean you you um divide your yearly pay monthly so you get paid but you're not getting paid for staying home or not be getting paid for for not working it's just divided differently so yes that's that is important um i am looking just again through your your press packet your press materials and everything your scope of work is so broad <laughs> and it reads like all of the things that are near and dear to my heart. <laughs> so about all of the trauma surrounding mass shootings, the trauma of separation from children from their parents, of uh, shame, of mindfulness, gaslighting and manipulation, of, of, it's not written here, but narcissism, all of these things that are topics coming out in our world now my god are we messed up on that mm-hmm. no mm-hmm. wonder that we've got so many issues because we've got all of these things that we're having to focus on and deal with so in your work um you tackle these things yeah yeah and that's the shadow material i was talking about you know carl Jung. we push so much down into the shadow for thousands and thousands of years and nobody really wants to look at the shadow because they feel like it's parts that are not acceptable. That's the shame. Shame lives in shadow. Um, and I heard Deepak Chopra or saw him write. Um, people think that shame. Uh, I'm sorry. The shadow is the opposite of love when actually it is the way to love. So this is the tricky part about being able to allow ourselves to look to like go into the basement in that dark cobwebby basement and go, Oh, Oh, you know, ah, okay. So this is me. So maybe I am a little narcissistic or maybe I am a little needy or maybe I am a little overbearing or maybe I am a little jealous, you know, that's okay. All feelings are okay, but all behavior isn't. And let's put it on the table and let's bring it into the light and let's kind of restructure it in a way that we integrate and we feel more whole because whatever's in the shadow is there for a reason, but we're so afraid to look. 
Um, and I think that's what we're, we're having to face a lot of the shadow right now because there's no place to run. <laughs> you can't run, you can't hide. <laughs> Did you know that Radiate Wellness has a subscription-based premium content Facebook group? Think of it like the premium version of this free podcast. In this premium Facebook group, you can find great content like replays of online classes, meditations on angels, chakras, mindfulness, and more, guest speakers, mini classes, polls. Plus, you'll be the first to know of guests that we have scheduled for the podcast and can submit questions for them. You get all of this great content for one low monthly price, and the first month is half off. You can subscribe by going to radiatewellnesscommunity.com slash shop. Click the subscriptions button, and you're in. Also, while I have your attention, wherever you're listening to this free podcast, if you could just do us a couple of favors, please. One is go to hit the subscribe or follow button. Then you'll be notified of all of the episodes we have coming out each week. Also, please rate and review. It sounds really simple, but it helps us to grow our audience when people are looking for great podcasts. And when we grow our audience, we can do bigger and better things and bring you even more great guests. So please do those couple of things, and that will help us grow this audience and this podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Well, and all of this, I do believe, is coming up for healing now. All yeah. of the, the, the feelings that had been long buried about race, about, um, about class, about um, social structures, those are all coming out now. Yeah. And um, well, also, the, in some, of the, some of these really tough questions that you reference here, the separation of children from their parents, that this is something that a lot of the country thinks is okay. Uh, how can anybody think that's okay? I, I, that's what I can't wrap my head around, but, you know, everyone has different ideas. But I, it breaks my heart, Christy. I can't, I can't even sometimes think about it because if you, th- if you look at the shame research and how shame gets set up in the right brain, and we know that the first three years are the most important years for brain development and it's mostly right brain. So it's feeling emotionally safe. It's feeling seen. It's being mirrored. It's being heard. All the things that we know about attachment and feeling like the big people are keeping us safe. Then we develop a feeling of safety and, and that we're lovable. And this is the key with shame is that we don't feel lovable when we don't have that emotional safety from the big people around us. And so these poor children who are so frightened are creating their, 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 actually what happens is the neural networks get pruned off that should be developing to say I'm safe, but, but the brain doesn't develop them because there is no feeling of safety. So then we create all kinds of stories once we get older in our left brain about what we need to, to do to be lovable. And that's how we create narcissists. And that's how we create terrorists. And that's how we create sociopaths. You know, those people have not gotten the their needs met in the early formative years and they try so hard to make it in the world and they do whatever they need to do in order to survive and these poor kids are 
yeah, it just breaks my heart. I can't. I yeah. I, exactly. In in my world, this is root chakra trauma. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. It's yeah. How are you ever going to feel safe in the world when you're in it? Uh, yeah. These children are permanently damaged. Yeah. Yeah. And they're but in our collective. Um, country there are people who think that that's okay that that's the acceptable price to pay yeah that, that is an acceptable punishment for people who didn't yeah I, 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 I don't i can't wrap my head around that one but yes you're right exactly, exactly. so this is i feel like that's there's so many things that need to come up in our collective healing right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um and then there's also the post-traumatic stress reactions related to mass shootings. And I'm sorry to be talking about such depressing topics, but these are, this is our world right now. Yeah. 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 And I know before COVID, um, you know, I work with some high school kids and, and, and college kids, but in some middle school and they would tell me the high schoolers would tell me the stories about the shooter drills, which, you know, just activates the trauma. So, you know, the the body doesn't know if it's real or not. And so they're acting out the shooter as if the shooter is really there. So we're re-traumatizing these kiddos. Plus one of my girls said, you know, and they tell us where to go and where we're going to hide, but the shooter is usually one of us. <laughs> so what's the point? So, you know, kids are so smart. That's the other thing. You know, if we listen more to our kids, we, the world, would, and I'm hoping that the, these kids coming up today are going to completely, you know, eradicate this, some of the terrible things that have been going on for all those thousands of years. But yeah, so what PTSD, we know about PTSD is there's no time in body memory. So when we hear, say, um, a loud noise, we learned this from, you know, Vietnam vets, they, you know, they go back into as if, you know, maybe they saw their friends getting shot in, in combat. And, and it, it, there's a flashback as if it's happening now and they're re-traumatized. And so this is what's happening with the school shooting with kids. And, you know, hopefully they're getting therapy and they're, and they're working through the, the body trauma. But it takes a, it's a long time and it's a lot of work. It's lifelong, really, probably lifetimes. You know, you do, like you said, past life regressions. I think we've got lifetimes ahead of, of cleanup to do and hopefully we'll move in the right direction instead of, you know, more of the same, but it's tough. It's, it's tough to feel that old trauma as if it's happening now in the body. And, you know, yeah, I can't, how horrible it must be to be a child in school. So first of all, you know, that feeling of emotional safety, you know, our parents send us off to school thinking it's a safe place. Hmm. Where's the safety in that? So again, developing this sense of self and and being okay and lovable, you know, when we don't feel safe is is really challenging. Yeah. So, yeah. challenging times. I um, I wanted to talk about something else um, that's here in in and of course your your materials, mandalas as mindfulness tools. So this is 
shifting gears quite a bit. <laughs> you tell me about your use of mandalas. Yeah, that's that's great. You know, I worked with a couple business coaches years back, and they all would harp on me like, "You gotta fight. You gotta have a niche. You gotta have a niche. You gotta have a niche." I'm like, "But I like everything I do. I love interested in all of this, and I don't wanna. I don't want a niche." So when I started working with Steve Allen Media, he said, "Good for you, because you can talk about so many different things." And I was like, "I'm so glad to hear that, because everyone's been telling me I need a niche." She's like, "No, because you you've got so many great." topics you can speak to. So mandalas, I love mandalas because my experience of the mandala I found about 30 years ago after my divorce and there was an artist who came to town when I was living in Virginia and I just was always curious about mandalas. It's a Jungian, Carl Jung used them in his um, therapy practice but they're also ancient spiritual practices you can see in the uh, rose uh, windows and cathedrals. You can see them in Tibetan sand mandalas and Native American sand mandalas. You can see circles in nature. Um, I don't know why. I was just curious. And so I took this class and I got hooked on mandala drawing because what it does is it helps calm the nervous system. You know, art, any type of creative art gets you into your right brain. And again, that's what we where we want to go for this healing. Because again, if the right brain has lost the neural connections of, of safety and, and feeling lovable, the more experiences we can give the right brain that feel good and are in creativity and in pleasure and joy and play and fun, we actually, we know now there's neuroplasticity and we can rebuild those, those neural um, connections. So that's the good news. So, but if somebody said to me, um, well, maybe you should paint, I Back then, I'd say, oh, that's ridiculous. I wouldn't even know where to start. I'm not good enough yet. But the mandala gave me a form, especially with this artist, Paul Hosenstam, who lives in Laguna Beach, California. His method was to um, divide the circle into eight quadrants, and and he had stencils. And so after doing some guided meditation, you pick stencils that... Um, represent what maybe came to you in the guided meditation, like a moon or a star or a flower or whatever, and you place them around in the eight quadrants with white. You do it on black paper with white pencil. And then you start coloring it, and and it just becomes this whole a thing you know it's beautiful and it's some it, it it actually connects to the unconscious it's it uh carl Jung calls them windows to the soul you know so so it accesses like i do dream work too and it's a similar thing when the symbols that come out of us actually give us something archetypally we can connect to so I was going through some stress after my divorce, and I had just taken this class, and I was in my head around, what am I going to do? Did I mess up my kids? Are they going to be ruined for life? Am I going to have enough money? How am I going to survive? You know, the typical things single moms do um, after shortly after divorce. And I said, I'm just going to go draw a mandala. And I literally could feel my whole body just, like, relax as I was coloring. And so that's why, you know, a lot of people have these adult coloring books that came out a few years ago, which I was really happy to see. It's the same idea. So it calms the nervous system. So since that time, I've done retreats and workshops and personal mandalas and individual mandalas with clients. And um, again, I think it's a good way to, and now I actually do paint. Now I, now I 
I've, I'm crazy creative. You know, it's my therapy on the weekends. Sometimes is just to go down and you know draw and in, in my basement. And um, but the mandala gave me. It was almost like a window into my creative self. So they're very special to me. I really, really appreciate the work of mandalas. So yeah, thanks for asking. <laughs> It's just so fascinating um, what you say about creativity and neuroplasticity, about mm-hmm. calming the, the nervous system, et cetera, and that um, it's such a tragedy that I find schools are cutting art programs, yep. music yep. programs, yep. all of these things that help a child's brain. Yep. Not necessarily yep. education, but it helps reinforce education. And that's what I've been telling the parents who are, you know, worried about homeschooling, especially at the very beginning when it was all of a sudden, here I am, what do I do with my kids? And even the teachers didn't even know what to tell the parents to do with the kids because they're learning how to get it all straight. I said, you know what, throw some paint and paper out on the table or put some music on and dance in the living room because for that very reason, let's lighten up on the academics and let's give the right brain some play and some fun and you can do it with your kids too but people are like what well what about the math and the science i'm like we'll get there let's play play it's okay we're in the middle of a pandemic get out the art supplies (laughs) advantage of the time we have make the the most out of it absolutely Yeah, um, we're, I think I, I just feel we're discovering so many things about ourselves individually, collectively right now mm-hmm. that we would not have had the it's a it's a, it's a gift in some and we were joking earlier about gaining the COVID-19 around the waistline. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but there's so much more that we can gain if we just turn our attention to the like you, you cover so much of that in your work. I do want to talk about this authenticity architecture, which is another mm-hmm. that you work in. And you've got classes out there, videos about this authenticity architecture. Can you talk about uh, a bit about what that is? Well, it's what my psychotherapy work has evolved into, which really puts together my work as a parent educator and a child development expert and a special educator and a therapist. And so it it really combines the inner child work, um, helps people dig up things from their past and and connect the dots and and rewrite a new story. Because it's kind of like reconstructing a historic home where you have to leave parts of the building and then you, but you get to go in. I just have a new client who's an architect and I'm having so much fun with her because I said, you know, you know what I call my brand now and, and I'm going to want to get some language from you. So I'm, I'm, she's great. She's super sweet. And, you know, she said, the first thing we do is we do a site assessment we go in and we look at the space and we look at what's working and we will look at what we need to keep and we look at what we want. So that's kind of like the initial work, um, of getting to know your client is, and, and helping them do a site assessment and then helping them reconstruct, you know, change the things in the house that they would, that, that aren't working for them, that are, that are a better fit. 
Um, and so it's really, it's reconstructing the authentic self. And I think we lose touch with who we truly are because now I have to share my favorite quote by one of my teachers in Virginia, Catherine Kersey. She says, children come into the world very much like a packet of seeds with no cover on the front. And it's our job very much like the gardeners to provide the adequate nutrition, water, air, and light to raise that seed to its highest potential. Not our job to raise a rose into a carnation or a carnation into a rose. And if you look at the old parenting belief systems and the old family systems, it was really about the adults are the masters and you do what I say because I said so and I know better because I'm, I'm, I'm older and wiser and smarter than you. And really, I've learned to know it's really not giving the kids permission to do whatever they want either, but it's more about listening to the wisdom of, of our children and seeing them and guiding them into their highest potential. So authenticity architecture helps you dig up maybe the pieces that you kind of squished down and created what Donald Winnicott called a false self versus our true self and find our true self, our authentic self. And it's, it's therapy and coaching. And I also have some courses that I created on my um, learning site. Um, So it's, 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 it's all of the above. And I, I think that, you know, we have a lot to learn about what it means to be in our, our authentic self. And, and it's, it's both right and left brain. So there's the cognitive as well as the sensory emotional piece. So I've put that all together in my work and I call it authenticity architecture. Right. Absolutely. Um, sometimes we need a little bit of guidance, a little bit of coaching to find that authentic self in there. Yeah, absolutely. We're not hardwired to do that right encouraged by the people around us to do that kind right. of and so you do have some you've got some classes out there on your website i'm looking at your website which is pattyashley.com p-a-t-t-i ashley.com mm-hmm. and it's like all of your publications and products got so many things that you're doing on here um, you do authenticity architects session. You can schedule online. Got online courses. Um, yeah, can you walk us through some of your online courses and some of your books? Yeah. So the courses, I, the first one I did was called "Go In, Not Out: Deepening Parts of Ourselves um, in Difficult Times," which was written during the quarantine when we were really shelter in place. And it has PowerPoints, it has um, videos, it has meditations, it has worksheets, um, and it's just give, like I said, giving people a compass and some tools uh, in this process of going in and asking these questions, which we've often avoided in being distracted. So I offered that for free because it was COVID. Um, and it's do on your own pace whenever. Um, and then my daughter and I, Elizabeth Ashley Herman, who's a school psychologist and a mother of two children and a parent educator as well, created Moms in Real Life. And we had been doing some work together before the pandemic, but we decided to put a course on the Thinkific um, Authenticity Architect site called Moms in Real Life, which, again, is helping uh moms and dads I also have the my friend my colleague who does the dad's work I interviewed him too as part of the the course to support the the dads and 
and um, that. And then the third course, I'm still working on it, and I keep putting off the date, is um, Transforming Grief and Fear in, into Love and Grace. And that one is really near and dear to my heart because my second book was Letters to Freedom from Fear to Love to Grace, and it was a memoir of um, having lost my father at 11 and my fiancé at 58, same way, heart attacks on the living room floor. And I just was stunned and thought this is an important for me to write about this as for my own personal healing. So I put together a memoir about that. And he was also doing some curriculum that he called from fear to love to grace because he had lost his wife of 20 years pretty suddenly um, about a year before he started dating. We had known each other for 20 some years um, and he was so devoted to his wife. And so um, it was a very sweet two year relationship um, and I want to continue the work that he was doing um, with this grief work because really that's what we want to do is what he said very much like I said it's very much like what I heard the Sufi poet say break my heart open to a higher love um, and that's what he describes as grace or he described as grace and you know, I think when our hearts are broken open, which many of us are having our hearts broken open right now, you know, we have a choice to either close them more tightly and and be angry and cynical and grumpy and unhappy, or we can open up to something more. And that's what I think is grace. It's like knowing that we can't really control most of our lives, and yet there is some grace in all of this. And it's a deeper, it's even deeper than love. And love is a misunderstood word too, but so is grace. But anyway, so my course is about that. And I think I'm going to put it off until November, which will be the fourth anniversary of when he passed away on November 13th. So to give me some extra time to really delve into this course the way I want to. Um, So those are the three courses. And in your books, you've got shame-informed therapy, treatment strategies for overcoming poor shame and reconstructing the authentic self. And this is for mental health practitioners, so people who are helping others, right? So that's wonderful. And then you've got letters from freedom, letters to freedom from fear to love to grace, and then living in the shadow of the too good mother archetype. So necessary. And then, of course, you're in private practice, you mm-hmm. clients. And so we can find you on your website, pattyashley.com, P-A-T-T-I, ashley.com. And I want to say you've got another website as well, but I'm not seeing it right now. Well, the Authenticity Architects website is a learning platform, and that link should be there where the courses are if you see Go In, Not Out. There's also the Authenticity Architects link. Um, It could be up at the top, too, under courses. And then I also do a Facebook Live every Friday at 11 um, on my Dr. Patty Ashley page, 11 Mountain Time. And I have exciting plans for September. I'm going to interview three different professionals who work with shame. One's a musician, a local musician here, who does vocal freedom body uh, work with voice and I've personally worked with her she's incredible Rebecca Folsom I'm an art therapist in New Mexico 
who does these great little boxes of sensory healing. And then um, Katie O'Keefe, who's a, um, a counselor here in town and works a lot with addiction and trauma. And so each of those Fridays in September... Um, to promote the shame book, we're going to be talking with them about their experiences and how it shows up for them in their work. So Friday, 11 Mountain Time on Dr. Patty Ashley page on Facebook. Facebook. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah, I think that'll be very, very popular. Have you been doing that for a while now? A few months. My daughter and I teamed up and we did the moms in life in real life uh, one month. And so, yeah, I've been doing the Facebook Live probably since February, March. I think when COVID hit, I really kind of got down and said, okay, I'm going to make a commitment to every Friday. That's what it was. Yeah, I was doing a little bit of it, but now I'm, that's it. Friday 11. That's where you'll find me. <laughs> and for our European listeners, of course, that is uh, Mountain Time. So um, to tune in live to Facebook, that is wonderful. Is there anything else we haven't covered? Anything you think is important to mention about the work that you do? Um, I don't have it handy here, but on my website, you can you can go to the um, product page, products, I think, and you can see a picture of my Nuff. So I have a picture, a little uh, um, Nuff, N-U-F-F, I am enough. And since we're radiating being enough, I think that's really important. And because playfulness, again, we're talking about rewiring the right brain and we want to find humor and playfulness. So I have these little nuffs on cards and I'm working on, I just got the site, the nuff stuff, because I want to figure out a way to get nuff stuff, you know, uh, stuffed animals and things like that. But it's a cute little funky little character that a friend of a friend of mine drew and it's a way to to because when I show my clients this, you're enough. It's not like saying, just remember you are enough. You know, E N O U G H. It's like you're enough, and you look at this little enough character, and you go, oh, and the body relaxes. So again, this is what we're going for in order to rewire the brain and the nervous system. We're going for ah, the exhale, ah. So you are enough, and U F F. Funny little character. Um, you are enough. So that's my my last and final <laughs> piece for you. I've been looking at your picture on your website right now. These cute little gift cards, uh, you know, like a, a, just a, like you might hand them out. That's just adorable. Yeah, and that's a great way to to drive that concept home because when we say you are enough, you've done enough. Yeah. it doesn't we don't necessarily embrace that it doesn't feel authentic sometimes yeah. and my clients say i have my enough right here i keep it on my dresser i keep it on my computer um i have therapists that order them from me to give out to their clients and and I'd get up and get one, but I've got my COVID from the waist down outfit on. <laughs> so people can go to my website and see the enough because <laughs> that's enough. That's all you need to see tonight. But um, typically I have one here. But anyway, yeah, it's it's a lot of fun and, and laughter. We want to have play and laughter and fun and pleasure. Even in the middle of a pandemic, we can find those moments as hard as it is. We can do that. And that's going to help the body and the um, the nervous system. So play, have fun, laugh, 
we're going to get through this, right? Yes. Yes. A collective grief and taking from grief to grace. Yeah. And everything in between. Your work is so valuable. Thank you so much for everything you do to help educate, to help clear our energy, to help raise our vibration. Is also needed with your books, your classes, and everything. Yeah. Um, Dr. Patty Ashley. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, Dr. Patty Ashley at And um, yeah, um, check out her classes, check out her books, and all the valuable work. Yeah. Right. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, I'm just so pleased to have you. Thank you. Radiate Wellness is a community of holistic and alternative healers and consultants based in the Kansas City area dedicated to helping you create spiritual, energetic, and physical well-being. To learn more about our practitioners, services, classes, and events, or to schedule an appointment, visit us at radiatewellnesscommunity.com. Are you ready to ignite your best life and illuminate the world? I'm Stephanie James. I'm a motivational speaker, transformation coach, and psychotherapist. And what lights me up is helping people just like you create the greatest versions of themselves. On my podcast, Igniting the Spark, I will help you ignite your joy and reach new heights in your personal and professional life. Join me for some incredible conversations with authors, spiritual teachers, and other influential thought leaders to help guide you on your way. If you are ready to stop playing small, join me for Igniting the Spark on the mindbodyspirit.fm network or wherever you get your podcasts and ignite your best life.